0: Welcome to ECHO, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, welcome back to ECHO. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm so glad that you're checking this out. And today I have two awesome guests with me, Pastor Henry Johnson and Hugo Silva. So let's go ahead and start off with introductions. Hugo, tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. Uh, Just a recent graduate from UNC Charlotte and with a B.S. in psychology, uh, aspiring EMT, uh, and grad school prospect.
2: Awesome. And Henry? I'm Pastor Henry Johnson. I'm the Young Adult and Campus Ministries Director for the Carolina Conference here. Awesome. So we're going to
0: jump right in to today's topic, which is one that I've had a lot of interaction with myself, especially as someone who's grown up in the Adventist church. Like I, I'm an Adventist through and through from day one to, to now. Now, granted, I became, you know, I really accepted Jesus in my teenage years, but one of the things that I've always struggled with and I've seen a lot of people struggle with is this idea of what does the Christian life actually look like? you know, what, is it just church? Is it being a elder? Is it being a deacon? Is it, you know, it, it seems like we have these, uh, for lack of a better word, arbitrary steps to becoming a better Christian. And it and it seems to all revolve around how involved you are at church. You know, the, the first step is being handed the tithe and offering plate and then being able to to collect that. And then and we go up from there and, and we look at that as a symbol of that's a strong Christian because they're up on stage. And so, we've sent this message, I think, that said, you know, your Christianity is best expressed through your church involvement. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. Maybe you feel otherwise, but I, so I want to talk about the day and and, and dive into that. So let's go ahead and, and just start with some initial thoughts from you guys. What do you, what do you think about
1: the Christian life a, as it pertains to church and out of church? Well, first of all, I think that I think you're spot on in saying that there are arbitrary steps, essentially, when people look at spiritual development, oh, this person needs to take on this new responsibility, but that's not always the case, especially outside of the church, you know, like nobody really cares whether you're a deacon or a treasure for the church, you know, I mean, I think my initial thought on this is, I mean, I don't want to quote a bunch of scripture, but Matthew 5, you know, Christ says, you are the salt of the earth, so outside of church, I think that we as Christians, if we are going to be the salt of the earth, it's to give flavor to like the room, to the ambient, to the conversation, you know? And whether that looks different on a case-by-case scenario, I mean, everybody's different. You know, everybody, nobody has the same job. So whether you're the salt at work or at your house, in home, I mean, it's really hard to just put say what that has to look like.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's a a fair point. And for me, it's that, so we've got this weird kind of conflict where we do need people to fulfill obligations in a church building because the, the church is an organization has to perpetuate, right? Like you've got to continue moving the church forward and to do that. Well, you need people to fulfill certain roles. And so we have an, and in that innocent intent to uh, perpetuate the organization, we've somehow sent the message that your Christianity is only or best expressed through that. And I think we could do a much better job of saying, no, your Christianity is best expressed through the way you live your life in and out of that building, right? So the way you interact with your coworkers, the way you interact with your friends or your family, um, but not just that, the life decisions you make. Um, I think to some extent, I think the career you choose um, can determine not how good of a Christian you are, but the career or the the life decisions you make certainly reflect the values you have. And there are certain jobs that I like. I, I would say, like I I can't see someone who who would call themselves a Christian doing just off the top of my head. Like I, I don't see a Christian being a hitman, <laughs> like I, you know, as it, like an easy low hanging yeah. fruit there. Like I, you know, or so it's it's one of those things where there are certain things you can do that can reflect your Christianity, and there's certain things you do that don't reflect your Christianity.
2: I mean, definitely. I mean, kicking back to something you said before, that the organization, the the institution needs certain roles fulfilled and perpetuated. I think one of the problems is it was easy to conflate the organization's needs with the, the mission and the organic structure of Christianity itself. And this is really not a a new problem. It stems back all the way from the 5th century, where early Christianity shifted from being a, a community of believers to being a, a sort of institutionally controlled and managed item that was necessary both for the preservation of the collapsing Roman Empire, uh, for different theological strains that were going on. I mean, there's a lot of history. We could get into it that way, but you, you basically boil it down into some key components that we still have today, where the idea that the laity would show up, and they should sit down, shut up, pay up, and listen up, right? And you had key individuals that the, the clergy or the initiated that would then take on certain important roles to, to shepherd the church, the experts, so to speak. And we've kind of maintained a, a certain element of that all the way to this day, right? To where church now being part of a Christian is being part of this, this institutional cycle, Right, and it, and it's not that at all. Christianity, like you said, it's a way of life. You know, as Hugo was referencing to, the salt of the earth. It, it, Christians sometimes are the only people I know that think evangelism, for example, is creating the salt lick of the earth. <laughs> right, we're going to make one big stack. Hope someone comes and licks it and stays. Right, but you know, like Jesus said, what's the point of a, a salt lick? It's got to be. It's got to be. Salt's got to be spread out. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say about salt is, if you put too much of it, it's Horrible. Well, if we're the salt of the earth and you congregate too much of us in one meal, no wonder people come in and try and eat our services and croak. So, I mean, you've got to get out in life yeah. and do stuff. It's, it's, it's a, nowhere in the Bible was it service oriented in the sense of a church service, but it was service oriented in the sense of making an impact in the world and making an impact in people's lives and your life, and and really helping to merge, as Ephesians, there's a whole book dealing with this, the new heaven and earth reality that's merging because of the cross, because of what God is doing in the uh, re-creation of the earth and redemption.
1: You're spot on in saying that, you know, too much salt, not enough salt will kind of create problems in any situation. But I think that more than anything, we as Christians should really aspire to, I don't know, promote this deeper sense of community. And I feel like that's just such a played out phrase of saying, you know, a deeper sense of community. What does that really look like? Well, it's definitely not what we see nowadays. I mean, it's really hard because if you want to see what a a sense of community really looks like, you have to either look at some family structure or the church itself. But it's not like we see examples like that with, you know, PTA meetings at school boards. You know, there isn't like a deep sense of community there. There isn't a deep sense of community, uh, even like among political organizations and the development that people try to take in making and establishing policies. I think really more than anything, it's just getting on a first name basis with somebody, you know, that's really part of the uh, Christian experience is being able to become a friend before you influence somebody into, you know, a better, more clear uh, path in life. And I mean, that's essentially what Christianity is supposed to be is, I mean, helping perpetuate and creating uh, fully functioning members of society, you know, to be productive in society. And you're right on like uh, the career choices that people make, because that will be an ultimately that will reflect how you see the production or not the production, but the sort of impact that you make as a Christian. You know, you would want to maybe help better the world around you. You know, you're not going to be part of some drug cartel. <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
0: The and 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 like I said those are some of the, the obvious ones but yeah I I agree with you um in that and and as we produce productive members of society uh we're doing so in in a framework of following Christ of being like Christ. So it's productive members of society that it, it's not that we have an agenda necessarily, though I we do. Like, <laughs> there's no way around that. But like, yeah, no, anyone with a worldview has an agenda. Yeah, there's
2: nothing wrong with an agenda. It's just a question of how valid it is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, Henry, you looked yeah. like you were going to say something earlier.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is one of the great struggles, and yet again, the great opportunities for the church. We live in a generation where community has degraded to a point where people don't have a, a lot of it, period. Uh, it, it's ironic that we live in an age of social media where people have never been more connected in a sense around the globe, but yet never more disconnected from each other mm-hmm. in reality right I mean community is an innate need it's a natural need for every human being and when I read the biblical narrative, part of what made it so compelling to me when I finally became a bible believing Christian myself was the idea that the Bible indicates that a lack of community is one of the fundamental problems in this world. The whole idea that iniquity and sin separates, you know, we talk about that as a church, usually from a theologically wordy sense of sin separates you from God or whatever, but we don't, when you look at the first three chapters of Genesis, there's massive separation all over the planet. You have right. Adam and Eve obviously separate from each other. They're separating from God. Then their own families, I mean, you get into chapter 4, the first murder's taking place, siblings are breaking apart from each other. Mm -hmm. You go all the way to Genesis chapter 11, you have Tower of Babel, humanity into people groups is separating. The earth, chapter 3, right, with thorns and this. the earth's rebelling now against humanity. By the time of chapter 6 and 7, after the flood, animals separate. Everything's just breaking apart. And the great response of covenant, what God is doing His great response to 11 chapters of separation in the Bible is chapter 12. And this guy out of an idol-worshiping family in the middle of nowhere, this Abram dude, and he goes, through you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. They're going to be reunited. There is going to be community created out of this. And the great struggle of the Bible is recreating that community because the Bible begins With a perfect people, with a perfect God, and perfect fellowship with each other, and creation in a perfect place. And the Bible ends with a perfect people, perfect place, perfect community, and and fellowship. And everything in between is figuring out how we got away from it and how we get back to it.
0: Yeah, I I find it so interesting that uh, the fullest expression of our community is done on Sabbath— when the original commandment for the Sabbath, if you just read Exodus, the original commandment for the Sabbath has nothing about corporate or communal worship uh in it, as far as, you know, in a service or in a place. It 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 seems to me like the reason we do church on Sabbath is more about uh convenience, right? That that everyone happens to have that day off and 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 it's become and, and yes, you worship on the Sabbath, but actual communal worship is not Mandated in the commandment itself. And what I, the reason I bring that up is because we've, we've, it it feels to me like in many ways we've, we've turned this into manufacturing communities instead of creating friendships, right? So we talk about evangelism as bringing in new members. Our church needs new members and they need to attend our services and they, they need to do this. And I'm like, well, what happened to just like making friends? We're, we're so caught up in getting members. That we forget to make friends, and so you get someone who gets baptized, right? You get someone who shows up to church, and then they have no friends <laughs> because we've forgotten that step. Like a big part of the early Christian church was meeting in homes and like just being like, "Hey, Hugo, come over for dinner tonight." Some friends and I are getting together, and we're we're going to celebrate together and eat together. And 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 there's this beauty in community that lasted throughout the week. It wasn't just sabbath morning worship together where we're all passively listening to someone else tell us stuff
2: yeah i mean I, i'd push back slightly about community not being evident in the sabbath commandment because i believe the very nature of the sabbath commandment itself implies that community will now be taking place because the idea is if i'm refraining from work if i if you were creating an equal playing field with all of these different aspects of the sabbath where obviously all humanity is now equal. Nobody's the servant or the master. Yeah. Nobody's this, that, and the other. And if I'm not engaging in my work pursuits and if, if we're all supposed to be taking this break, well, the only thing that isn't really spoken against of in the commandment would is be implied is what are we doing now that I don't have work, that I <laughs> that you are not having to serve me and I having to serve you. And what What happens when people are just left in this period of time where... All distraction is pulled away.
0: Sabbath naps. That's what takes place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead uh, beautiful. You know, my Sabbath
2: no, hike to the spring. I agree with you, springs, but you know? I mean, I
0: should clarify, I guess. What I mean is nowhere in that commandment does God say you must worship to, like, in church a on Sabbath. Service, yeah, yeah that, that, but I agree, I actually agree with you, and, and I thank you for clarifying that. I There's a lot of beauty in what isn't said as much as what is yeah. said. So... Um all right now let's let's shift then for someone who is struggling with their Christian journey right for someone who's trying to figure out what do I do next or or how do I find my place in the church how do I find what I'm supposed to do my spiritual gifts whatever they may be right what what does that person do like where do I begin when I'm trying to say all right I've started going to church and I've read and I read my bible but what what more do I do what how is my life supposed to look different than it was before
1: My answer is going to sound very superficial, but how genuine are you really in the things that you do? I mean, how much time and effort and how much of you is really in what you're doing? If you're, if, I mean, I'm, if somebody's working a factory job, it's really hard to say, I'm really passionate about, you know, assembly line working. And it's really hard to also come up with like genuine friendships in that sort of setting. But still, regardless of what you're doing, the end goal for you should be to be happy. And I know it sounds so cliche to say, you know, your happiness is going to be the ultimate pursuit of what you do. But at the same time, if you're not happy in what you're doing, then why are you doing it, you know? Hmm. That's that's a good point.
2: Yeah, I, I would tag on to that. The, the biggest difference that I see scripturally between Christianity versus not is motive. There wasn't a—it's not like people— I mean, there's aspects in Acts where you look and it looks like, okay, someone joins the church and now they're dumping all their material goods and, you know, there's some sort of collective communism or something going on. But there's the majority of stories in the Bible are not somebody's life, you know, gets intersects with God, converts, and now all of a sudden they're like, well, I was doing this, but I'm quitting and I'm going and doing something else. A story that just popped into my mind in the First Testament, you remember the story of Naaman who was you know this foreign official who is now infected he com- you know with leprosy comes to get treatment, and there's a very interesting—the reason this comes to my mind is there's this interesting tail end of the story. He becomes a convert to Yahweh. He comes back to Samuel and then makes a statement about what his life's going to be at this point. He goes, I now believe your God is is the true God. But he said, but give me mercy in this. He goes, my job is I have yep. to take care of the king. You remember this? Yes. And he goes, the king is going to go into his God, and he's feeble, and I have to, like, kneel down with him to help him get down and do this worship— And he goes, please, may your God have mercy on me because I'm not truly bowing to that image there. I'm doing it for the sake of, you know, this guy, this job. And we often focus on that story for the, oh, how is he dealing with idolatry and all this other stuff? But the reason it came into my mind is Naaman viewed an encounter with God as not changing his life as much as changing how he did life. Hmm. His motive's different. He goes, the only reason I'm going into that temp, I don't know if he believed in that God before, if he was willing to worship or whatever, but his his concern is more for the guy he's got to help than himself. Yeah. Right? He's like, this is my job, and I need to help this guy. He's feeble, he can't, whatever. His motive became, how can I take the love of God, how can I take the truth of that, and minister into the lives of people around me in the environment I'm already in, right? This gets into kind of the topic of the priesthood of all believers, but God needs access points to people everywhere. And which is why he needs everybody, because there's people that Hugo's going to reach that I can't because he introduces himself and they go, ah, oh, you know, student, grad student. Oh, I can relate to that. But they ask what I do. And I say, pastor, and the walls go up. and I don't want to yep, talk to exactly. that superficial. whatever. In other words, yeah, there'll be people I'll reach. But there's going to be a ton I don't. Now, there's people in a grad school setting that he's going to be able to reach that I can't because I'm not a grad student. There's going to be people that Ryan is going to reach that others don't. The point is we become the access points for God, for a new motive of living, for a new understanding of the world around us in the environments that we're already placed in. Because in a great controversy, for lack of a better term, this idea of a intergalactic conflict between... Hyliel, Lucifer's idea of things Hmm. and God, free will comes to play. And a lot of people can kick God out of stuff. They say, I don't want you. And he has to honor that. But there's a lot of people that can't kick you out of stuff. Right. So that factory worker, you know, there might be no one around him that wants anything to do with God, probably for legitimate reasons. They've gotten the wrong view from Christians or something else. So they've kicked him out. God has to listen. But now God has access to you. And you've decided to be his access point to everybody in the factory. The way you live, the way you treat people, the things you talk about, things you don't, the fact that they can tell you're obsessed with their good, even at the expense of your own, and they're gonna know, why do you wanna do that? Like, why would someone live that way? You become that access point. So kind of what he was saying, what is your motive? What how are you living life now? If it's just a nine to five and just take the stuff and I just gotta muddle through life, well then yeah, you're gonna have issues. But if You now realize in the gospel, anything I have as a ministry now, if I hand it over to God and use it to try and better the people around me, that's going to give you a multitude of options to transform life and to do a whole lot more than just a worship service.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm... I'm... I've met so many people, in whether it was when I was studying theology or even pastors now, who have become pastors because they didn't know what else to do when they met Christ. They just felt so compelled to change something, and they thought, oh, I should be a pastor. And I met a lot of people that have quit pastoring or quit studying to become one uh, because they realized, like, oh, wait exactly what you just said. That's, that's what I should do now. And like, I'm jealous of barbers, man. Barbers, their job is to, yeah, they're sit and cut hair, but they get to talk with people and build connections and, and, and do things. And so what I, my thing is, I wish we would so, we would stop focusing on um, so much on church attendance and, and embrace people doing ministry in their own lives and 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 stop counting, you know, oh you weren't here for Sabbath school. Well, that's because I was leading a Bible study somewhere else or I was doing something somewhere else. Like church attendance is not the fullest expression of it. Your life is. So, um let's do this as as we kind of wind down here, any final thoughts that you guys want to leave our listeners
1: with. Hugo, let's start with you. Was not expecting that, but ah, uh... tricked you. No, go ahead. Well, I think any final thoughts really for anybody that's really seeking a deeper meaning for what they're looking for is just to be earnest in prayer really. And, you know, looking up for answers, God answers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Last thought I would have is just remember you are the only you out there. And that sounds cliche. And I wish I had time to really dig into that because I mean, God himself died because you're irreplaceable and he can't create another you. Hmm. I wish I could unpack that, but he can't create another you. So take the uniqueness that is you and now flip it for the gospel. Take you and impact a world that is built on self-centeredness and me, 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 and I, 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 and get, 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 and flip the script about building community, about fellowship, about enjoying and magnifying and supporting and placing value in other people. And that's going to radically change the world.
0: Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. This has been a great conversation. And I think we've, we've dug into a lot and we've, we've, you know, acknowledge that there's some weaknesses to the way we do things, and and, and we've encouraged people. So to our listeners, thank you for listening and being on this journey with us. We hope that this was encouraging to you. If you've been trying to find your place in Christianity and and, and, and in in Jesus's story, uh, well, his story is expressed through your life as well. So we just want to encourage you, and thank you so much for listening and supporting Echo, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.